0: Welcome to episode one hundred sixty two of the Next of a Life Podcast, Claiming Your Confidence with Katrina Blowers. Katrina Blowers is an award winning newsreader and senior reporter with more than twenty years experience. She has covered global events for major newspapers, radio stations and television networks and is currently the anchor of the six PM News Bulletin for the Seven Network in Brisbane. Katrina has been a correspondent for the Commonwealth Games and the G twenty, traveling with media packs covering state and federal elections is known for her warm and engaging style, which has also seen Katrina become a sought after speaker, facilitator, and MC for major national events. Through her workshops, keynotes, one-on-one coaching, and her online course, Katrina is trusted by leading CEOs and female entrepreneurs all over the country as an inspiring confidence mentor. Using proven evidence-based strategies, Katrina helps women conquer their nerves, become more powerful communicators, and lead bigger lives. And today we talk all about claiming your confidence. and set your soul on fire to take massive aligned action in your business so you can take your life to the next level. Ready to get started? Let's go. Katrina, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, it is at my absolute pleasure, and I know you have such a big impact—not um, just here in Australia, but all over the world. So I'm really grateful to you for having me on.
0: Oh, well, I'm so blessed to for you for setting aside this time and really allowing me to dive into your journey and your story and find out more about what makes you you and what makes you confident. So, just to get started, I'd love for you to share with us where did it all start. Well, uh, if we go
1: right back, I always thought that confidence was my superpower, right from when I was a little kid. I used to be that child putting on concerts for the neighbours on the front lawn of of my home. I used to always be um, first to get up on stage and do any kind of public speaking competition. I was debating against university students when I was in grade eight. Like I was just that kid kid, you know, always getting up, any opportunity to be in the limelight. So it probably didn't come as a great surprise that I was really drawn towards um, broadcasting. uh, And um, I'm a television journalist and a TV newsreader now. um, and, And that was something that that I always wanted to do right from when I was seven years old and I was doing work experience from when I was 12 at Parliament House in Canberra. So um, for me, confidence was something that I didn't have to think about and something I just relied upon heavily up until about four years ago when I was going through a divorce, so I was going through a very stressful personal time. Um, my divorce was quite amicable, however I have two children and I think, you know, for anyone who's separating a family, um, you, you lose friendships, it's, uh, it, it's not an easy time. And so uh, when you're not dealing with stress, and I was really sweeping it under the carpet and carrying on business as usual, stress has a funny way of biting you where it hurts the most to get you to pay attention. (laughs) And so for me, what that meant was when I was reading the news, um, the television news on our highest rating night of the week, I had a full-blown panic attack. Um, So... The way that happened was I was sitting at the news desk and I read the news on my own and it's for a full hour. And as I've got like a robot voice counting down in my ear, a little earpiece, and as it started to count down from 10, um, I couldn't breathe, my heart started racing, I just wanted to rip out my earpiece, rip off my microphone and get out of there and I knew that I couldn't. Uh, I then had to read off the auto queue the main headlines, and then I had to say good evening with the camera on me and introduce the first story before I could get off camera and the tape would start rolling. I honestly couldn't talk. I don't know how I got through it, but I managed to say good evening. And then I read off the auto cue the very last line, skipping three paragraphs, the very last line, um, so that the director knew to roll the tape. And he just said to me, What happened? Did the auto cue fail? Um, and I said, no, I think I've had a panic attack. So I had to get through the next hour of live television. Um, the director was just beautiful. And he talked me through you know, every story. He'd do breathing exercises with me. And so that's how I got through that hour. Um, but after that, my confidence was absolutely shaken. And for anyone who's had a panic attack, it's not uncommon. For you to develop anxiety around having another one. So all the triggers of driving to work, parking my car in the car park, walking into the hair and makeup room, walking into the studio, all the things that, you know, this was my dream job. I loved doing this stuff, but it became torturous and I would get that feeling like I was about to have another panic attack again. So I had a choice. I was like, well, I could leave the job and walk away, or I could really dig deep and relearn everything that I thought I knew about confidence. Um, Being a journalist and being a bit of a research nerd, I decided to immerse myself in the science of confidence and what it takes to rewire those neural pathways. Um, So I've done a lot of reading, I've done therapy. um, I've also done meditation. Um, I've attacked it from a spiritual point of view as well. So I'm happy to say three and a half years on, I wouldn't say that I've arrived because what I've learned is that you never arrive, but I work on it every day and I now view the fear in a completely different way so yeah it's been
0: amazing yeah huge huge gift and huge journey like I I love though how sometimes the universe like puts these things in our place for us to grow us in such a huge way but almost redirect us on a whole new path like if that hadn't have happened where do you feel that you'd be now honestly
1: I uh, it's funny you say that because who knows but I I think the life that I was living before that moment and the life that I'm living now are like chalk and cheese. And that was a huge wake up call. That was the universe hitting me across the face with a wet fish. <laughs> um, and talk about hitting me where it hurt. I think probably I had been getting little wake up calls up until that point, but I
0: had been ignoring them.
1: And it took. It took me to potentially walk away from the job that I love the most. Like every time I see in the studio, reading the news, I pinch myself because I love it so much. And it was my dream as a little girl to do this. So to have my confidence shaken so badly um, was perhaps the only way that I was forced to look at a lot of truths about how I was dealing with fear and the way that I was talking to myself about things that were hard and getting out of my comfort zone.
0: Yeah, huge, huge. And oh my goodness, there's so many different correlations that we can go down because we have like almost like the correlation of what's happening now with COVID. And Mm. I feel like that's been a huge wake-up call for a lot of people to realize that their life that they've been living beforehand probably wasn't serving them the best it could be. Or there was habits that weren't serving them that I really need to look at to change the life to then decide what they want to be now. But then it's also like, Without that experience, for you, do you feel that you would be able to educate the women that you now support in confidence the way that you do now? Well, honestly,
1: Christine, I would never thought that I'd be doing this because for me, having wanted to be a journalist since the age of seven, that was it for me. That's all I ever could see myself doing. And it wasn't even intentional that I set out to educate other women in this way. Uh, Initially, it was pure selfishness, I just wanted to get better myself. I wanted to um, get over this hurdle and this anxiety and put myself out there more confidently and figure out what true confidence was and how to get more of it. Um, Because I am a newsreader, I get asked to do a lot of public speaking and MC work. Uh, Initially, after I had the panic attack, that was the last thing that I wanted to do. But I decided that it was like, you know, getting back on the horse or back on the bicycle. That I would say yes to every single opportunity that came my way. So I was doing a lot of speaking throughout this process of um, figuring out how to rebuild my confidence. Um, And after I would do these big talks, um, I would have a lot of women come up to me saying, gosh, you look so confident up there. I wish I could do that because I need to be able to speak for my job. How do you do what you do? Is there any chance you could teach me? Um, So eventually I started doing some one-on-one and then I got asked to do a workshop. And then, you know, I did an online course and it's just funny how Like, it's funny, like now I think life
0: is about following the breadcrumbs, and I just followed the breadcrumbs, and here we are. (laughs) I love that. I actually say that all the time. Like, it's always about just following the breadcrumbs of joy to find what lights you up, and then things happen, right? Like, the universe just starts to deliver new experiences for us to really find where our passion is or where our purpose is in life. And I just, I love that you just said that that's amazing um but i can't imagine like that it was all a smooth journey because i can't imagine that you went from can't imagine what it would have been like interviewing politicians on in camera but then also to step up and now be on stage and on camera all the time that wasn't an easy journey to get there it was a, what were some of the biggest challenges that you had to become the newsreader that you are today It was dogged
1: determination and I think um, one of the things that I've discovered with confidence is you've got to find your why and you've also got to make it bigger than you are. Now, in terms of my personal career ambitions, that was my huge why, and I, again, I never had to question that because it's something that I've always wanted. So, behind having to cold call news directors um, and ask them for opportunities, which was tough. I was In fact, I was only talking to another journalist about that today, how... Um, I would be so nervous before I would make those calls that I would literally script out, you know, hello, my name is Katrina Blowers, and I've just graduated from, (laughs) you know, Um, so that's what I would do in order to get the courage to make sure that I got my messaging exact. Um, But my why was always bigger than me. I knew that that this was such a burning desire that I would just do whatever it took. I would work for free, which I did a lot of. I would um, get mentors. So, you know, I approached women who were where I wanted to be and asked them to help me out. Um, So I was doing a lot of those things. But, uh, yeah, it, it just came naturally back then. Now, I suppose the confidence that I put behind things
0: is much more intentional. Yeah, beautiful. So what were some of the things that really surprised you? So after the panic attack happened and then you started to look into what, how do we develop confidence and what are the, some of the strategies that we need to put in place to become confident? What were some of the surprising things that you just, you discovered? I guess,
1: uh, well, The biggest surprise is that people who I put up on a pedestal as having invincible confidence, um, no one really has it. And in interviewing people who, you know, because I interviewed a lot of people to try and get their confidence tips and tricks, they all have, you know, imposter syndrome. And these are people like, for example, I spoke to um, Julie Bishop, who used to be Australia's foreign minister. She suffered from imposter syndrome. She would do things like um, wear certain outfits. She has a collection of brooches. So she would wear like particular brooches for particular meetings to try and channel that inner confidence. Um, Something that uh, you can do that's a little tip for you is you can use a confidence prop. So, for example, I have a fancy pen, you can see it's got glitter in it, and I take it onto the news desk. And if I'm feeling nervous, what I'll do is I'll hold my pen and I will channel my nerves. Into my pen. So, (laughs) and this is another trick that I give um, executive women too, who often struggle with when they're presenting at a meeting what to do with their hands. I'll say, bring along your lucky pen. And then when you are talking and looking around the room, um, you can make your hand gestures and bring your hands back to your pen and then make another hand gesture and bring it back to your pen. So you look like you're in control, but you're also doing, because body language is another big part of looking more confident than you actually are. And open hand gestures are like a sign that I'm in control. You can trust me. I've got nothing to hide. So use your lucky
0: pen, use your open hand gestures and bring your hands back to your pen. Love that. Cause you're so right. It's like the, there's the verbal techniques of confidence and the way that you use your voice. And then there's also the nonverbal, right. Which is your body language, which is huge. And so I would love to know, what are some of the tips that you, with everybody that's going through COVID at the moment, and I think with lots of changes that have been happening with the way that we do present and whether we speak, whether it's for speakers or whether it's just for business owners that are showing up on socials more now than what they were in person, what are some of the tools or tips or tricks that you can give someone for how they can show up more powerfully in their confidence?
1: Yeah, so the big one, I suppose, is you need to show up. I was talking to someone the other day and she was saying how when she does Zoom meetings with her team, she'll say hello and then she'll switch off her camera because she hates being on camera so much. Um, oh, I bet. And I, and I get it. Like, I actually, even though I'm on television for a living, I don't particularly love doing Instagram stories because I feel quite... It feels out of my comfort zone. It's something that I'm... I'm working on but um, you know it doesn't come naturally to everyone to be on camera but particularly if you're in a work setting it's important as a woman in particular to be seen it's the equivalent of taking a seat at the table for a meeting so if you switch your camera off you're not going to be as visible and um, showing up I think is particularly important even if you're feeling weird inside but there are definitely some things you can do I think if if anyone can see us right now or if you're listening, I'll explain. Christine and I have got our camera on our laptop at our eye level. That is so important. And I can't begin to tell you the number of people who I've interviewed because we're doing a lot of Zoom interviews now for TV News. Um, politicians who should know better. They've got their camera angled up their nose um, and it just looks dreadful. Or they've got a window behind them so that, you know, it looks like a halo of light behind their head. Set up your camera at your eye level, put um, a shoebox underneath your laptop if you need to, um, and set it so that you've got natural light on your face and Um, given that I think we're going to be in this kind of limbo land for a while where we're going to need to do a lot of this kind of um, online stuff, invest in a ring light. They're so great and there's also a setting on Zoom that does a bit of a face smoothing feat. (laughs) So these are just little (laughs) can help you put your best foot forward um, if you need to. The other thing is um, with, with your clothing. Take a look at what TV presenters wear. Um, if you're giving an important presentation and you want people's uh, um, focus and attention to be on what you're saying rather than what you're wearing, um, look at people like TV presenters and politicians. They wear like a nice, solid color. Um, they don't have uh, lots of busy patterns. They don't have big, crazy earrings, unless that's your look personally. Yeah. Um, it can be really distracting. So they're just a couple of little tips.
0: Yeah, awesome. And I imagine that, you know, a lot of people struggle with Instagram stories for sure. Uh, and I think that I love that you just shared that about Julie Bishop, that she also experiences the imposter syndrome because I find that that's one of the surprising things with the work that I do is that a lot of people think that, well, because I suffer from the imposter syndrome, that means that that belief around not being good enough or not being qualified enough is true. But it's really not the case that even Julie Bishop in the position that she's in, that she still experiences that, like no matter what level you are, and not that there is levels, but no matter where you are in what presence that you show up, that you can absolutely experience the imposter syndrome. So we are you able to share, like, have you experienced that before and how have you uh, overcome it?
1: Yeah, uh, and that's one of the things that I've really learned to tune into is my self-talk. And I would say that would be the biggest change between um, pre-panic attack Katrina and now is that I can recognise those unhelpful stories that I'm telling myself when I'm pushing out of my comfort zone. And there's a reason why we tell ourselves these stories, it's because our brain is trying to keep us safe. Our brain is just doing its job. So we need to, first of all, have awareness around the stories that we're telling ourselves. We need to catch those thoughts because feelings are not facts and those stories, They're just conditioned stories that we tell ourselves over and over and over again. And the more that we tell ourselves those stories, the stronger and the more ingrained those neural pathways are going to be in our brain. So you can catch yourself when you're telling yourself a story such as I'm not good at doing Instagram stories. What will people think of me? They're all going to laugh at me. Um, What have I got to say that people um, want to listen to? Catch yourself and just instead of ignoring it or trying to brush it under the carpet, you, you say, well, hang on a second. Is this really true for me? And is this actually a helpful thought? And going back to your why, Is this going to push me forward? Is this going to move the needle forward for me achieving my why? Or is this going to keep me stuck where I am? And it's, I think, one of the things that I used to think about confidence was that it was an absence of fear. I used to think, because I never used to get stage fright. I used to think that being confident meant being able to stand up on stage and not feeling the fear. But I've come to learn that it's about feeling the fear and, you know, to use that, that expression, doing it anyway, and reframing the fear and choosing to see it as excitement that you're living your life on purpose and doing something really
0: awesome. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think that a lot of people can have the belief system around, same with confidence and same with fear, right? Like they think that some people just don't have it. Some people just are confident and some people just aren't. Whereas that's not really the case where right? I can absolutely develop confidence. You can absolutely develop the ability to reframe the fear and work through it and challenge yourself to move through it. Is, has there been a, a challenging time that you feel that you've been able to tap into that confidence to overcome that fear?
1: Look, it's a daily work in progress for me, but I I might tell you about a a moment where um, I had a bit of a setback on my journey and it kind of, uh, it demonstrates the unhelpful stories that we tell ourselves. Um, I, I was asked to speak at A big gathering. Uh, It was lots of um, very senior members of uh, a few law and accounting firms. Uh, There were members of the Chinese government there. It was a big deal and they were also, this is the key, they were also paying me a lot of money. Now, when I saw how much money they were paying me, instead of feeling like, woohoo, this is amazing. And also instead of backing myself as, well, actually, I've spent decades, you know, refining myself as a speaker and, um, I'm, I'm actually really good at this and that's why they've asked me to do it, I got really intimidated and I, and I started telling myself, I'm not worthy of this much money. What if I make a mistake? They'll all be looking at me, expecting me to be at this level and what if I can't perform? And I was really white-anteing my own performance. That's actually, and I haven't had a panic attack since then, that was when my second panic attack happened when I was up on stage. And afterwards I sat and I really thought about why did I let myself do that and what were those stories that I was telling myself? Um, and, and that was the kind of second wake-up call to get really still and clear about that messaging and, and stopping those thoughts and trying to switch my thinking to more
0: helpful ones instead. Mm the way that we speak to ourselves is so powerful and if anybody like this is the thing i think that a lot of people don't realize is that they think that they just have that but it's actually the thought pattern that creates the emotional response right so it's like if anybody had said to themselves the same things that you had said to yourself multiple times and then you know believed it and then we have an emotional response to it no wonder it would create anxiety and and a panic attack right like it's just the the body freaking out and going into fear and thinking it's going to die, like. (laughs) <laughs> which genuinely feel at the time but yeah you'll be okay. <laughs> so is there anything that you do after such a such an event or other events that you've actually done well and you've walked away from it gone that was incredible like is there anything that you do to help bolster the confidence for next time? Yeah, so
1: there's definitely a couple of things that I do. One of them is visualizing. So um, this is a really powerful tool that you can use to um, create new neural pathways in your brain and strengthen the ones that are going to be helpful for your confidence journey. So now when I've got a big event like that, I sit there and I visualise to the detail, like I play a mental movie in my mind of that event going really, really well. And I tap into the feeling of what it's going to be like to be on stage even with some nervous butterflies. And I imagine myself looking out at the crowd. And as I'm doing that, I physically smile because smiling, um, it changes the biochemistry in your body and it lights your cells up. And your brain can't actually tell the difference between visualization and reality, between a thought and reality. That's why we have panic attacks when we think of scary things or think of going out of our comfort zone. So visualization is definitely a great thing for me to do, and I even imagine myself in the outfit that I'm going to wear at that particular event. The other thing is um, I now am really mindful about creating endorphins and getting rid of cortisol, which you can do. So on a day where I'm doing something that's out of my comfort zone, speaking at a big event or whatever it is that I'm going to do, and I start feeling the nerves, I'll go to the gym or I'll go for a walk around the block, I'll do something where I get really hot and sweaty. That does two things. First of all, it gets rid of the cortisol levels in your body. You can physically get rid of it. And it also creates endorphins. And um, meditating, if you don't have time to exercise, meditating for 20 minutes actually creates the same level of endorphins as going to the gym. So that's a Mm. Um,
0: Such good strategies, especially before a speaking gig, for sure. Is there anything else that you would suggest when it it comes to um, the difference between engaging or influencing, probably is is a better word, compared to being on Zoom, compared to being in a room? Like, What would you say would be different of creating that influence when you're in a room with a group of people?
1: Yeah, that's a really cool... One, actually, I, I do find that it is um, tough to create that same level of engagement on Zoom. You really do have to put aside the extra time, I think, to um, to talk and make those connections um, in a room. Um, look. A lot of people who are fearful speakers will stand behind the lectern and grip onto it for dear life. If that works for you, it's all about baby steps. So if that is the thing that is going to get you up on stage and saying yes to a speaking gig to begin with, by all means, do it. And I give some strategies in my course for um, standing behind a lectern and making eye contact with people all around the room and what size font um, to even print out your speaking notes in and how to mark them up so that when you're looking down, because a lot of people struggle with... Um, memorizing a speech as well, which you know eventually that's where you want to get to is speaking without notes. But um, I, I talk you through how to mark down, mark out your script so you can look down at your lectern and look up again without losing your place. But ultimately, you do want to either be at the same level as your audience by sitting down at a chair if you can, or by standing out with a handheld microphone or. Um, even hands-free, but it's all about being on the same level as your audience, telling a story so that you are showing, not telling, whatever it is that you want to um, resonate with your audience, because um, a fact is um, if you tell a fact within a story, your audience is 22 times more likely to remember it. So that's, that's the power of storytelling. And you should always have your, your best three stories ready to go. So that's something that I work on a lot with people is um, getting their three stories
0: and nailing those and then they can repurpose them
1: in any situation.
0: Mm. I love that when you've got those go to stories that always get your point across, makes it so much easier, isn't it? Because you, and I love the way that our brain has the ability to hold on to stories much more powerfully than. Than just a fact right and that makes it so much easier not only for the speaker but also for the people listening to to remember it as well definitely definitely
1: you can do the same thing in a zoom meeting as well yeah. the, the power of story will resonate no matter the format um and same with instagram stories as you know you're good at instagram stories christine
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you i do try but you know i'm the same as anybody else i go through days where i'm just like I can't show my face on stories today. Like, I just can't do it. (laughs) I feel you. (laughs) Is there anything that you find that you have people ask you about confidence that you find interesting or that you find that they really struggle with? Look, imposter
1: syndrome, I would say, is the biggest one, um, particularly for women. And surprisingly, Um, A lot of women really resist putting themselves forward for opportunities when they don't feel completely qualified. That's something I'm really passionate about changing. I read a statistic that said that Australian women suffer from some of the lowest confidence in the Western world. Um, Only 26% of Australian women say that they feel confident on any given day. That just makes me feel so sad because I think about all of the missed opportunities that they're not saying yes to because they don't feel confident enough. Um, Men have a very different outlook on confidence than women do. Men tend to think that they don't need to feel confident in order to say yes to an opportunity. There was a, a HP, Hewlett Packard did a study where they were looking at why they didn't have more women in their executive team and they found that women would only apply for new opportunities when they felt 100% qualified and men only felt like they needed to be 60% qualified. So, it's, again, it comes back to self-belief um, and, and that's, that's a conversation that I really want to become more involved with going forward. I'm really passionate about closing that confidence gap.
0: Same. I think that is insane, right? Like insane that women just think that, oh, well, because I'm not 100% qualified in this, I shouldn't even give it a go. Like they're not even trying. That really like upsets me as well.
1: will probably date this podcast, but did you see um, the great memes that were going around um, because Kanye yep. West is put for president and you think, well, if that's true. Like he, he's not qualified, but he's giving it a go. Donald
0: Trump wasn't really qualified
1: either, but you know. Really.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so true. And I was actually speaking to a group um, about PR, about uh, female business owners, about stepping into and going after more PR opportunities. And just talking about that imposter syndrome because we so struggle with it and just being able to confidently go, this is how I am unique or this is how I'm different and this is my opinion on this situation. And so many women really struggle with it, yet we need so many more of women to step up and actually share and be a part of the conversation. And I love the way that um, Denise Duffield-Thomas speaks about how like, it's just about contributing. It doesn't mean that you have to be an expert on the conversa- in the conversation or an expert on the topic. But if you want to contribute, why can't we just be contributors?
1: And and that is, um, so I have like the four big confidence killers. And the first, the, the biggest one for women is that perfectionism paralysis. And we much more so than men feel as though we can't put anything out into the world, including ourselves until it is absolutely perfect. And um Elizabeth Gilbert in her book, Big Magic, which is a fantastic book for any any creatives. I really recommend it. She's got a whole chapter on perfectionism and how to get over it in a creative sense. And she says that, you know, there are people who think the Sistine Chapel is gaudy. So (laughs) get yourself out there because there's always going to be critics of your work and you're never going to avoid that by constantly working on something until it is Mm.
0: perfect. Absolutely, and I think we also struggle with a lot of the rejection as well, like the fear of the rejection, even though sometimes that doesn't even come, like especially in like early stages of the business some people hold themselves back because of that fear, but yet often it's so well-received because we've never put anything else out before. <laughs> it's so interesting to me to see that happen. Do you have any, any tools or strategies the way that you've handled rejection in the past?
1: Yeah, um, I used to really struggle from... Rejection um, more so based around what other people thought of me. And I did an exercise just recently where I actually wrote down, well, who is it? Who are these people whose opinions I'm letting hold me back? And it wasn't even anyone in particular, but uh, other women who I've done this with, when they really think about it, it tends to only be one or two people. Um, and sometimes it's people within their own family. And when you put a name to the people who are actually holding you back or these faceless critics, you it's, it's again all about the stories you're telling yourself. You're like, well... Should I really let these people hold me back from, and, and again, coming back to your why, making your why bigger than that. Yeah,
0: bigger than your fear, bigger than any little story that you're going to tell yourself for sure.
1: Yeah. But I was going to say, um, so I've interviewed quite a lot of people, not just for my workshops, but also for my podcast, Claiming Your Confidence. And they're people who, again, from the outside looking in, um, who are high achievers who other people put on a pedestal as having so-called invincible confidence but you know really getting a peek behind the curtain um, and they struggle with confidence too but what separates I think people who uh, pursue their dreams and step into their potential from those who let fear hold them back is a they act with courage over confidence and b they're not afraid of the word no. So many people stop after getting the first no or they see it as you know validation of all of those self-worth issues. Um, These people are not afraid of the word no and I have to say um, Brene Brown has a beautiful quote that courage is contagious and I've taken a lot of courage away from thinking about all of these incredible people who wouldn't be where they are today had they listened to that first no. And I'm trying to think of no in a different way too.
0: Yeah. I love that. You know, I have a a huge sales background and I think that I was constantly taught in like the no had nothing to do with me. Like anytime that I heard the no, it was actually nothing to do with me specifically as a person. It was about detaching from who I was as a person to that no. And that no could mean so many other different things that it could be that not right now. It could mean that the value or the proposition that I was putting forward just didn't actually fit their needs. It could have been that, you know, they were really busy and they literally didn't have the headspace to listen to me at that point in time. Like there is so many reasons why someone could say no, but yet often we make it about ourselves.
1: And um, coming coming at it from a um, a spiritual level, I was having a great chat with... Um, this this lady who is like a PR mastermind. You know, she's brought Zara and um, Victoria's Secret and Drew Barrymore to Australia. She's like the top of her game, right? And she has this beautiful spiritual approach. To when she hears the word no, she kind of takes a step back and looks within and thinks, well, vibrationally am I aligned with what I want to achieve with doing this particular thing? And so she gets her vibrations at a higher point. And she said that without fail, she always attracts the right opportunities and the right clients when she's vibrationally acting from a higher place.
0: Oh, that's powerful. That's really good. I love that because it's so true. Like often we do, we don't realize that we went after the, after it, like I'm always been a go-getter. Like I've always been someone that before I'm even ready, I'll go after it and, you know, make it work, whatever it is. Right. And so I've gone through a huge growth pattern in regards to that this year is about looking at where my where am I embodying where I want to be and how am I aligning myself to that level of, of expectation of myself or that level of opportunity? Because you're so right. Like you have to be become the person to be able to have the things that you want to have.
1: And it's also thinking of yourself, uh, you know, vibrationally, if you want to have a certain opportunity or meet a certain objective in your life, then you kind of need to rise up to be the person who does those things. Um, And so Um, this lady was telling me that she once got a big no because she was bringing um, some celebrity to Australia and she was trying to get coverage for this person and the journalists all said no. And so she thought, well, instead of chasing it, with desperate, needy energy, I'm going to sit right back and wait for them to come to me because I know that this is a great get and this is going to be successful. And so she kind of played hard to get. And that's when people
0: want you, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Love that. Love that. Actually, I would love to have you share a little bit more about your confidence masterclass and tell us a little bit more about what who that's for and what people are going to walk away with when they take that.
1: So given my background is in television and speaking, and that is something that we are all required to do so much more of every day with social media. I mean, it used to be the case that unless you had a visit from someone like me with news cameras, that was your only opportunity to put yourself out there. But now we literally all have our own broadcasting platforms. From our phones, so we kind of need to make the most of that, and we need to feel good about what we're putting out into the world as well. So my masterclass is primarily aimed at women and aimed at um, entrepreneurs or anyone who wants to. Play a bigger game and tell their story and really get clear on their messaging. Who wants to know how to tell a good story, um, at say if they're a podcast guest or if they're asked to be a keynote speaker or part of a panel. Um, so I teach you how to tell your three best stories. We figure out how to um, figure out for yourself what your speaking personality is because if you're putting like for example when I first began as a journalist I thought I was going to be like this hard-hitting you know serious but that's just not who I am and so it wasn't until I figured out what was my way of connecting with people that I really began to succeed in my career. Um, and we also go through some body language hacks that we all use in television and politicians use as well to make ourselves look much more confident than perhaps we
0: are really feeling inside. Amazing. It sounds incredible. Like I went and checked it all out and I'm like, I'm totally taking this course. And I think there'll be no matter where you are, right, in your business, within your career, what it is that you want to put out to the world. I think that These types of skills can be transferable to any situation. Mm. I'd love to tell you, um, so I used
1: all of these techniques. I was coaching a lady who, it was her first role as a CEO of a big company. And she was having to do a lot of public speaking. And she used to do this thing where whenever she, she would grab the lectern, definitely, and never move from behind the lectern and always reading every single word off her script. And she'd do this thing where her whole body would just curl up like a turtle (laughs) because she just wanted to escape from the situation. So that was her starting point. After six months, she came to me and she said, I think I want to put myself out on the circuit. I'd like a recommendation for a speaking agent. And I was like, look at you go. You know, this stuff can be learned. You do have to put the work in, but confidence is a muscle. And no matter your point, you
0: can build it. Mm, absolutely and that's such a strong message to get across because often people don't believe that it's something they think that they have right but absolutely a skill that you can learn and you know i've and I think it all comes with taking that action, right? Like you learn the skill, but it's about putting that putting that into action and showing and proving to yourself that you can do it every step of the way. And I think that you've done that massively with not only just going up and putting yourself in situations where you can be rejected and get all those no's and keep going, but then also getting back up after being on camera and having a panic attack, like, oh my God. And then to get back up and do it again and then have it happen again and then reteach yourself how to be confident is just huge. So. If you're gonna learn confidence from anybody, I think it's someone that's been in the trenches and <laughs> overcome the what you've overcome. Television learn the hard way. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're also launching a new podcast coming out really soon. Tell us about
1: that. Yeah, so you know, going back to that beautiful quote from Brene Brown, who I love, um, courage is contagious. And I just knew that. I had learned so much from having conversations with um, people who I really respected and admired and getting their tips. And also it just made me feel a lot less alone. And I think there's a big thing to that, you know, if you feel like, well, other people are going through this as well, it takes away the shame and we put so much, I think, unnecessary criticism and pile on all of this blame on ourselves from a place of shame. So um, I interview um, somebody who's high profile or um, has achieved something, you know, pretty special every week. And we go through their biggest confidence challenge and how they overcame it. And I have to say people like Um, comedian Merrick Watts I I think stand-up comedy is about the most confident thing you can do Um, Edwina Bartholomew who's a television presenter um, people like that who seem to have so much confidence but they're really honest about
0: what it takes for them to get out there every day Mm, love it i can't wait for that that's going to be incredible so as soon as this episode goes out i'll make sure i put a link to the show notes and link to um your your course as well as to the podcast as well so just to finish up i would love it if you could if there's any advice that you would have for someone for a woman in particular that is wanting to play a bigger game in whatever she's putting herself forward for what are some of the best advice that you'd give her to be able to step into her full confidence
1: all right so going back to what i said before about how your brain doesn't know the difference between a thought and reality. Um, There's a way that you can game the system and hack your brain for more confidence. Everyone, I guess, would have heard of the practice of having a gratitude diary and how valuable that is. Well, um, I actually think that as well as doing a gratitude diary, you should also incorporate a success diary ritual into your daily practice. It just has to be three bullet points and they can be little things, they don't need to be big things, but little wins that you've had of ways that you've put yourself out there a bit more confidently each day. I know for some women, it Can be something as small as wearing a really bright color to work. Um, Some women don't feel confident enough to do that or going and introducing yourself to someone who you've always admired in the office but you've always felt a bit nervous around. Just little wins every day. And what that does is it um, promotes what's called a winner's effect in your brain. And you see evidence that you are the person who does this kind of thing. And it's a self-perpetuating thing. It um, deepens those neural pathways and you actually have evidence on paper that you are a confident person. Oh, I
0: love that. That is awesome. And it's just constantly building that evidence to say that I can do hard things, right? I can put myself in those situations. And if I did that, I can do this, right? So, oh, so good. absolutely love that. Thank you so much, Katrina. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. And I wish you all the best with the podcast and cannot wait to connect and see more of what you're going to create.
1: Oh, my gosh. I love everything you do and thank you so much for having me on with all your incredible listeners. Thank you.
0: My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Next Level Life podcast. I'd love to hear any takeaways that you've had from today's episode, so please share with me on Instagram and Facebook. And if you feel so moved, please pass this episode on to any friends or family that you feel may benefit from it. Looking forward to speaking with you next week and here's to taking your life to the next level.